Good morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's try it again. Good morning. That's much, much better. Glad you chose to be here this morning. Sydney and I and the girls are visiting family in North Carolina this weekend. And uh, this is actually, though, a pretty important weekend to us as it marks our five-year anniversary of visiting Seneca Community Church as a candidate to be your pastor. Lots has changed for us as a family. We came with three daughters in high school. Now we're almost or basically empty nesters. I've had some exciting physical events, and I'm a little older. Cindy is as young as ever, but I'm older. God has done some marvelous things in our midst. But one thing that hasn't changed is our desire to see God continue to use us to make a difference in people's lives in the Finger Lakes region. We are grateful for the many ways you have given yourselves passionately to that goal. And we look forward to seeing what the Lord will uh, do in the years to come. I truly do believe that our best years are before us as we look for creative ways to point to Christ and to grow in him. Today we're in for a treat. We're going to be hearing again from Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts is a pastor at Life Church. So glad that Life Church is making these kinds of resources available to churches like ours. Remember, today's message is not just about filling a Sunday when I'm away. It has thought, prayer, and anticipation behind it. Your leadership team and I want to bring the best we can to you. Someone who wouldn't necessarily be available to come in person. I trust that as you watch this message on a screen, that won't be an obstacle. But in just a few moments, you'll settle in and engage with a speaker that has a life-changing message for all of us. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love. We thank you for all that technology offers us. We talked about that a little bit last week, and we pray that we'd be leveraging in a way that draws people to you. And this morning, we would just ask that you would open our hearts as we hear from Sam. Speak to us as we think about all that he has to say from your word. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked a little bit about this idea of forget you. And I mentioned during that message that, you know, sometimes you get some interesting feedback from folks about what they thought about the message. And in fact, this week, I bumped into one of our attenders here at Life Church, and he uh, comes up to me and he says, hey, man, really enjoyed the message. It was great. Really liked it. But my, my kids really liked it. They loved it. And, you know, they think that you sound like, and he, like, stops himself. Like he caught himself before he says something. He goes, well, they think, and I go, they think you sound like, I, I, what do they think I sound like? And he said, well, my kids think you sound like the donkey on Shrek. <laughs> I just looked at him. I said, I don't sound like no donkey on Shrek. What's wrong with you? Here I am thinking, he's going to come up and be like, I loved your message. You were great. That was so cool. And he's like, you sound like the donkey on Shrek. 
All right. But see, you know what? Isn't it difficult, though? Because many times what happens, even when we're talking about forget you, we begin to think it's still about us. Oh, what are you going to say about me, right? And, and it's so uh, interesting. Like we talked about last week, we really have this battle that wages within inside of us about it not being about us. Remember we talked about when you see a group picture of folks, how do you determine if the picture is good? If you look good in the picture, that's how you determine whether it's a good picture or not, right? And because it's just a tendency we have for it to be about us. How many of you say, you know what? Absolutely, man. I, I struggle with that. Man, many times thinking of it being about me. Raise your hand. Yeah, absolutely. We all do. I do it all the time. Um, you know, and, and in fact, last week we talked about different ways that you can go about making it less about you. You know, you lose your focus, the focus that's on you, and you place it on Jesus. You talked about losing your stuff because really it's not your stuff to begin with. It's his. And we talked ultimately in Matthew 10 where the Bible says that you lose your life. What does that mean? You lose everything you think and that you're about. Your focus isn't on you. Your whole life is devoted to following Christ and making him become greater and us become less. That is the verse that we have that is at the center of our teaching during this series on Forget You. And that's John chapter 3, verse 30, where John is speaking about Jesus and he says, he must become greater, and I must become less. A guy on Facebook actually uh, asked me, he said, man, I really enjoyed the message, but my question is, how do you go about, like, doing that, like, practically speaking? How do you do that? And that question is at the center of what we're going to talk about uh, today, is how do you become less and have Jesus become more, practically speaking? Now, before we begin to talk a little bit about that, I do need to tell you something, and I want to set a guideline before we get involved and start talking about all this. And that guideline is this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Okay, this process of him becoming more and us becoming less, here's the deal. It's not a formula. It's a journey, okay? I can't give you this A plus B equals C kind of thing. And if you want that, I'm sorry, I can't give it to you because that's not how spiritual formation and development works because A plus B equals C for one individual but equals F for another or Z for another because our spiritual journeys are as unique and as different as there are people um, because the ways that we connect with God are truly infinite. I mean, his ability to connect with us, he can connect through any number of different things. So we have to remember that. Now, I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers said, never make a principle out of your experience. Let God be as original with other people as he was with you. I like that. Let God be as original with other people as he was with you. Why? Because it's not a formula. This idea, this concept of how we do it, it's not a formula. It's a journey, okay? So, that being said, there are a few things about this journey that we actually have to establish as principle and the thing that we're trying to accomplish. Understanding that there's a lot of different ways to accomplish it in the way we connect with God, but ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to renew our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. What are those patterns? Well, those patterns are 
One of them would be, man, it's got to be more about me, right? Doesn't the world revolve around me? Not the sun, it revolves around me. It's about me, right? No, that's what the world would want you to think. But the Bible says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, which means become something different. How do you do that? The Bible says, by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2 says that. Well, that's great. Sam and I, I get that. I'm tracking with you. So how do I do that? Like, how do you renew your mind? It's a great question. Here's a principle there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, scripture, sh- scripture says that we demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, Right? So that simply says that, you know what, whatever truth is, the knowledge of God, we're going to set up and destroy every argument and pretension that sets itself up against it. How do we do that? By taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. Okay? As we do this, we begin this transformation right here, this renewal process in our minds. But there's a problem. The problem is that on an hourly basis, we are inundated with things that actually are to the contrary, that make us want to be more about us. And it's in almost every decision that we make throughout the day, right? And it, those things begin to permeate into us and affect the way that we act. Let me give you an example of what Sam is talking about. Years ago, I was driving home from the office on a rainy day. It had been a heavy rain, and the puddles along the side of the road were just huge. Now, I hate to shatter any uh, views of myself, but I love giving people a hard time and uh, actually think it's a spiritual gift. Anyway, I'm driving home. It's raining. There are huge puddles everywhere. It's fun driving through them like how a kid likes walking in a puddle and splashing and jumping in them, only I'm using my car. Then comes this aha moment. I recognize this punky kid walking down the side of the road. You know, the kind of kid that thinks he's a gift to the world. He has a kind of a swagger as he walks, even though it's pouring rain. He's too cool to say hi when greeted. He lifts his head and kind of grunts. It's almost like he's walking to the music born to be wild. Well, this definitely is a God moment. No, I'm not thinking about picking him up. I'm thinking that if I slow down a little, I can drive by the moment he's walking near a huge puddle and, yes, soak him. Born to be wild is now going to be splish splash. I was taking a bath. Everything slows down in a moment like this. And the Reverend Spencer is having an argument in his mind. Do I soak him or not? Look at him. He thinks he's so full of himself. So cool walking in the rain like it's not even rain. Back and forth, back and forth, the argument goes. Closer and closer, my direction is in perfect alignment for a drive-by that will go down in history. It seems like an eternity in my head. Well, I do drive by. 
and you'll have to wait till next Sunday for me to tell you what I did. And it wasn't to stop by and pick him up. You see, we all have moments like this where we have to decide what we're going to do with the thoughts that come into our minds. Do we take them captive or do we act on them? Just a heads up, I have thoughts like this all the time. That may be a little fun, but what about those more serious thoughts? The thoughts that come into our minds and then become actions. Taking our thoughts captive to Christ is serious business. And we kind of let these thoughts begin to enter our minds, and then all of a sudden they come out as our actions, right? Margaret Thatcher said this, and I like this quote. She says, watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words, for they become your actions. Watch your actions, for they become your habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. I like that. That's how it begins to play out for us. We've got to watch our thoughts, and ultimately they affect our destinies. We have a friend of our ministry, uh, our ministry Pastor Stephen Furtick, who uh, leads Elevation Church. And a while back, they created a video about how the human brain actually begins and has this renewal process. And it's one of the most succinct ways I know to explain to you this idea of taking a thought captive, making it obedient to Christ, and in that process, this renewal beginning to take place in our minds. Let's take a look at the video on how the human brain works. The human brain, made of approximately 100 billion neurons, the same number of stars that exist within our galaxy. The human brain monitors and regulates all of the body's actions and reactions. With over 5 trillion chemical operations occurring every second, and signals being transferred at speeds of over 260 miles per hour, our brain is rapidly analyzing and responding to all of the sights, sounds, and smells all around us. Now, because we are all born slaves to sin, our mind has been programmed to behave out of selfish desire. The way we think, dream, reason, and act are limited to the ways of this world. Now consider the facts for a moment. For every behavior we experience, our brain creates a neurological pathway. As behaviors are repeated, those pathways become increasingly more stable. Think of it this way. A single behavior maps out a dirt road in your brain, creating a basic pathway for your thoughts to travel. But as you repeat behaviors, your brain builds a highway, allowing for an increased volume and frequency of thoughts to move about resulting in your day-to-day -day actions. In order to change our behavior, we must reprogram our brain. It requires the deconstruction of existing highways and is a process that takes time. The Bible directs us to take every thought captive and to commit daily to the renewing of our mind through the power of God's Word. And in time, the result is the formation of an entirely new neurological roadmap 
leading you to the life you were meant to live. I like that. The renewal of your mind begins by taking thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and we begin a journey. So, if we understand that, okay, our goal is for he to become greater, for us to become less, for us to forget you, how do we do that? Well, it's the renewal of the mind, right? Okay, so how do we do that? I want to get very, very practical, okay? Very open, very honest, very practical. Why? Because it's so important for us to get this, to truly understand how this operates and functions on a day-to-day basis. So, let's talk about a couple of things in regards to renewal of our mind. How do we do that? Well, as we've already established in our guideline, right, it's not a formula, but a journey. So remember that. And a journey takes time. It's not necessarily going to happen like that, okay? So, don't get frustrated if you have to, you know, you might feel like you get a step forward and then you take a step back and then two steps forward. You have to stay with it on this journey. But there are some things that renewing your mind involves. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is that renewing your mind, it involves spending time with God, okay? Now, we like to say that we have a relationship with God. Well, okay, Relationship takes what? It takes communication for it to be a relationship, which means that if you're going to spend time with God, the way to do that, people call it, in in the Christian world, they call it prayer, okay? What that means is that you express yourself. You talk to God. You tell Him how great He is and how thankful you are for things. You tell Him about things that concern you. You tell Him about things you hope would happen one day if it were in, in His plan for you. You listen to him, right? Because it's a two-way communication there. So we spend time with God in prayer. Another way that we do that is that we spend time with God in his word, the Bible. We read the Bible, okay? And we begin to spend time with God. But here's the thing. A lot of us will have struggles doing that on a regular basis. And you can kind of beat yourself up because you're saying, I don't spend the time that I need to in God's Word. I was talking to a buddy of mine this week at a coffee shop. His name's Terry, and we were talking, and he mentioned a friend of his who said it this way, and I like this. He said, you know, reading God's Word is kind of like eating food. It's something that I don't feel obligated to try to do. I do it because I love it, and I need it, right? So in time, what happens with God's Word is we develop an appetite for it. As we read it, it's kind of like, just like he said, it's like we don't feel obligated to have to read it. We actually desire it. We want it. We love it. And it nourishes our souls as we partake of it, right? It's like food. And we don't feel this obligation, but yet a sense of love and a sense of I want this. And as we do that, we do it over being in God's Word by, remember, spending time with God, right? So how does this play out street level? Let's talk about this. All right. So Craig will tell this story sometimes of this moment where the directional leadership team, uh, we were all out on his back porch having lunch. 
And we were, as a, a leadership group, trying to solve a little problem. One of our campus pastors had moved on uh, to go do something different, so we had a vacated spot, and we needed leadership to fill it. Well, we're sitting there talking about it, and we weren't really coming up with any good plans. And then Craig says, Sam, what if you did it? You'd be like, awesome at it. You'd do a great job. And then, and I'm thinking a little bit about that, and then in pure Craig fashion, he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out a coin. He does this to me. I don't know why he doesn't do it to anybody else, but he does it to me. And so he, he, he takes the coin, he's like, call it in the air uh, before it hits the ground, and he flips it up. You gonna do it or not? And he flips it up in the air, and it's like, this drama, this moment, I'm just like looking at the coin, and it feels like it goes into slow motion, like, and all the directional leadership team's looking at me, Craig's looking at me like, what are you going to do? And then right before it hits the ground, I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, when he tells that story, he talks about loyalty and the fact of, man, doing whatever it is that God calls you to do and how cool that is to be able to do that. Let me give you the backstory on that, okay? Let me tell you about what really was going through my mind when I watched that coin go up, okay? Now, I said yes, right? How do I make a snap judgment on a, on a life change in a position like that? Well, not 24 hours before that, I had been reading in the New Testament about a couple of brothers who were sitting on the seashore with their dad mending nets, and Jesus walks up and says, hey, boys, you want to come fish for men? Come follow me. And they leave their nets, and they go follow him. And I thought to myself, God, if you would only present me the opportunity to be so bold for your name, to do whatever it is, man, I'd say yes, because I want that kind of obedience. And all of a sudden, God called me out, right? So the coin goes up in the air. And I'd like to tell you today that I thought, ah, oh, here's the opportunity, and I'm ready, God. I stand ready to obey you at every... That was not how it went. Here's what happened. That coin goes up, and I thought, everybody's going to think I got demoted. They're going to think, you were on the directional leadership team. Craig must not like you, because he moved you down, and now you're going to take a campus, and you're going to do that. And it felt like this setback, right? But Craig talks about sometimes, you know what? Our setbacks are actually God's set-ups for what he's wanting us to do ultimately. We don't know his whole plan. I could have never known sitting there on Craig's back porch that one day God actually wanted me to oversee all of our campuses here at LifeChurch.tv. How would I do that if I hadn't first been a campus pastor? I couldn't lead the campus pastors if I hadn't been one. It's what I think is maybe a setback. God's actually setting you up for something much bigger that you can't see today. I'm sitting there watching that coin, thinking to myself, people are going to think I'm going to get demoted. But hold on. Take that thought captive. Remember, we're going back to 2 Corinthians now, chapter 10, right? Take that thought captive. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, not, that's, a, that's the world's plan. Hold on. God's got something different. I do remember yesterday, God, in your word, when I was spending time with you, see this how this works? When I was spending time with you, you gave me this idea of, man, if you would only present me the opportunity, if I could just be so bold to step out in faith for you. So, yes, I'll do it. That is how it plays out, practically. Because here's the thing. When God speaks for you to do something, there's going to be 
thoughts that enter your mind. And you have to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And as we do that, this renewal takes place and we begin to be a little bit less about ourselves and we begin to be more about Him. This journey of becoming more about Jesus and less about us takes time. It's a process, okay? And in that, there are a couple of guideposts. One is, you know, the things you have to do is you got to, renewing your mind involves spending time with God, okay? The second thing that it involves is renewing your mind, it'll involve daily obedience. It involves daily obedience. Because as we spend time with God, God tells us things to do. And then we walk in what he says to do, right? Whether it be to move into a campus pastor slot or to go and see this person and do this with them or, or whatever it is that God says or start this business or do this thing, we begin to listen. And we read in his word and we spend time with him. And then he gives us a step to take and we obey. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says it this way. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you're slaves to the one whom you obey? Right? It says, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, the scripture saying here that you're going to obey something. We can't, as human beings on planet Earth, can't, we are incapable of not obeying something. You say, oh yeah, well let me show you. I don't obey anybody. I obey myself. Yeah, that's right. You obey yourself. You have to obey something. You obey your own sinful thoughts and tendencies and mindsets about how this world really is all about you, and you obey that, and all of a sudden everybody around you thinks of you as some kind of brash, loudmouth person who is only concerned about themselves. Yes, guess what? That's called sin. That's what the Bible's saying. It that's the track it leads you on, okay? Or it says you can obey righteousness. What does that mean? Well, it means you're obeying God's word. It's, oh, it's less about me. It's more about him. Okay, I get that. This is tough, but man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that feels very unnatural, and I'm going to obey what God's telling me to do. And what happens, here's how it goes. We, we, we hear God, we spend time with him, and we, we take a step, and we obey and then we hear from God again, and we take another step, and then we obey. And we take another step, and we obey, and we spend more time with him, and we take another step. And then we look back, and we're like, I never thought I would have been on this journey. But what a great journey it is. Something I might not have ever carved out for myself, but something that is so much better, because it's what God has for me. It's my journey with him. Craig says this about obedience, and I like this, and it's worth repeating and definitely writing down if you're taking notes. He says that my closeness to God can be measured by the time it takes from his command to my obedience. The time it takes from his command to my obedience. I like that. It's a measure in that moment of where I am with God. You could say it this way. It's from when God says, go, and I'm gone. How long does that take? Because you know what? There's probably many of us here today whom God's been trying to get you to do something for quite some time, and you still haven't done it. And you've got to remember 
that delayed obedience is actually disobedience. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. So, this journey of renewing our minds and becoming more about him, less about us, okay? It involves taking thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, right? And we have to spend time with God so that we know his word. We know the truth. We know what God wants us to do. Because otherwise, what are you going to make your thought obedient to? You have to be in God's word. See how this works? Okay? You take the thought captive. You make it obedient. You take the next thought captive. You make it obedient. You do this over and over and over. And on that journey, what happens is next thing you know, you look back and you're like, I think differently than I did a year ago. Your mind is being renewed. See how it works? And you become a little bit less about yourself and you become more about Jesus. But the problem is that we have continual inputs that say the opposite. Okay? And so sometimes, in order to do this, which is so countercultural to the way that we live, we have to preach to ourselves a little bit. You got to get a little bit of attitude with yourself sometimes. And you got to look in the mirror and say, hey, uh, hmm, forget you, because it's not about you. You know, when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when your spirit, what you think God's telling you to do is willing and you want to do it, but all those voices are coming inside and saying, no, 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 your flesh is weak. You got to just look in the mirror and say, hey, forget you. It's not about you. Or maybe it's it. You know, you decided, I want to be bold for God. I want to do great things for God. And then I'll say, well, what do people think of me? You look in the mirror, you say, forget you. It's not about you, right? Or maybe it's, well, God's calling me to, to maybe start this business, but oh gosh, what if it fails? And oh, I don't know. And I could be seen as a failure. Well, hey, forget you. It's not about you. You got to preach to yourself. Sometimes it might be that, oh man, this little, this addiction that I have, it's not hurting anybody. It's just my little addiction, right? It's not hurting anybody. No, except for the fact that maybe your spouse feels emotionally, mentally, or possibly even physically abused, and your kids hardly see you because you're out too late dealing with your addiction. You need to look in the mirror and say, Forget you. It's not about you. Or maybe it's that, you know what? You got a little bit of friction in your marriage. Well, welcome to the club because you know what? Everybody does. Why? Because we're people that have our own selfish tendencies and somebody needs to say, you know what? Forget you in this message and this time in this marriage and say, you know what? It's not about my needs. Guess what, guys? The Bible says that, you know what? You're to lay down your life and serve your bride as Christ served the church. Guess what that means? That's a little bit about forgetting you. And you need to be about serving her. Ladies, we need to serve your husbands and love them and respect your husbands and say sometimes you got to just look in the mirror and say, forget you because it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. It's not about the things that I want to do. It's about what he wants to do through me. And sometimes you got to just say, forget you. And it all starts in our thoughts. It's where it all begins. Those little seemingly innocent thoughts that enter our minds, and we begin to think about them. Because you see, if you could take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to God's word because you're spending time with him, then maybe you could control your words a little better. And if you can control your words, 
a little bit better. Maybe you could change your actions a little bit. And if you could change your actions, perhaps you could create some new habits. Habits of loving other people and being there for others and being less about ourselves, right? If we create those new habits, all of a sudden, we create a new character, a way that we're known, a thing that we're known for. And if we can change our character, it will change your destiny. It all starts in your mind with your thoughts. We have to take them captive, make them obedient to Christ. As we do this, we begin a transformation process that renews our mind, and we become less about ourselves, and we become more about Jesus. And you just simply have to look in the mirror sometimes and say, forget you. Would you pray with me? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for a message like this. Lord, we ask that you would help us to uh, become less so that you can become more in our lives. We know that begins with uh, taking our thoughts captive, which eventually takes our actions captive. We pray that no matter where any of us are at, that we would go through the process of renewing our mind, changing the way we look at the world, changing the way we look at ourselves, and changing the way we look at you. And Lord, we ask that that would have a transformational life change for us. We thank you and we pray for anybody that's really struggling with this. I just ask that uh, you would give them, again, traction in their lives to walk with you to make these changes. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.